one. All right, guys, Splash Play is back after a week hiatus. Spags in Costa Rica. I was in Vegas, but now we are ready to return for redemption with a joint best ball draft, Spags. I am always excited to do a best ball draft here with Pete and excited to talk a little bit about our trips. I would say we're the most traveled boys in football analysis. That's what I'll I'll give us that, that crown right now. But um, we're going to talk about some NFL news, talk a little bit about rookies as well. So we got a lot to hit on in one hour flat. So let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And I'm Chris Spaggs, joined once again by a man who honestly very jealous of your Vegas photos. So one thing, Pete, again, I always see these things and then don't comment on the photos. You were the only guy putting in work in that pickup basketball game, for what I could tell. Sweat dripping off of this man as everybody else is sitting there comfy in their little workout clothes. He's Pete Overzet. How did that go, Pete? And am I right in my assessment? Yeah, so a few things. I it, it works both ways. One, I am an above average sweater. Like even at the gym, like in a warm up, I'm the one sweating just after the warm up. But I also am. I am the hustle guy. I am the I will outwork you guy. My like finesse part of my game right now is so bad. So the way I uh, you know play well is just hustling, good defense, uh, lots of rebounds. But also is the factor. We're in Vegas. I mean, the gym is you know sure. loosely air conditioning, but it's 115 degrees there. We're all hung over five hours of sleep gym reserved at 11 a.m but yes i would like to think that i was working particularly hard how many dives for loose balls were there by you in the course of that one pickup run you know what i think i know i die i dove on the floor once but luckily kind of avoided that i when we when we ended the game i was just like i'm so thankful we didn't end up at the er because it just seemed like a lock like you know a <laughs> bunch of 30 to 40 year old dudes uh one of you is gonna end up at the er yeah, notes horn ACL is definitely a moral victory there, but that's the kind of basketball pickup game you want to see from your fantasy host, no matter what the sport. If they're hustling out there on the court, I'm sure they will hustle for you and their content. <laughs> of course, make sure to follow at Splash Play Pod. We're following back everybody on there on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you subscribe to the Peach channel as well as the Splash Play channel. We got to figure out. I think we're just going to keep running it on both for now, but um, obviously make sure you're checking out both those things at any given time. And of course, we got some NFL news to hit on, and but hit that like button if you can. That helps us out a bunch here, whether you were watching on Peach channel or the splash play channel nfl headline actually should we talk about personal stuff real fast i i guess i'll tease that i i think i will have a job announcement coming in the first week of september though as people saw last fall who knows how that goes for me but that's that's my one update pete but anything else from your travels or i guess your your journeys that you want to bring to the table here i have one personal thing which i'll save because i want to give you the floor first yeah no i mean and i don't i don't want to spoil it but i i do think you know that your move to go to OnlyFans now that they aren't doing nudes is like a good decision for you. I think that's a great platform, but I also don't feel like you necessarily want to have to expose yourself all the time. So big congrats to you, Specs. Yes, thank you. And now, of course, I will talk more about that next one. But um, here's one that Pete knows about that I haven't even talked about on social media. So if you are watching Splash Play, you get the hot goss really from both of us right away. Um, this is something I have to say it now because like it's going to come up and it's just whatever. Uh, we're having a baby, Pete, and I, I told told Pete this. Yes, the first uh, the first fantasy football podcast baby i think that's ever existed <laughs> if i had to choose but um a bit of a surprise for me and my girlfriend definitely the life plan was going engagement towards the end of the year marriage next year baby around the time frame but we knew it could happen and of course uh, when you think something can happen and it does and and pete uh you know i don't know how it feels to be on a show with somebody i'm so fertile that i presume there's going to be a child coming your way at any given moment Yes, I, I think just by osmosis, you know, you know, babies are contagious for sure. Uh, but big congratulations, Spags. Uh, I'm very excited for you. Lots of big news going on in mm -hmm. the Spags world these days. So uh, congratulations to you and your girlfriend. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, coincidentally, for anybody who wants to, I guess, maybe have some secondhand suffering, though it wasn't quite as bad as it might sound. I also, last week in Costa Rica, was with my girlfriend's family, who I was meeting in person for the first time, including uh, my future brother-in-law, my future father-in-law, my future mother-in-law. Um, we've done some Zooms and stuff, so there was some rapport established, but I had to spend a week in Costa Rica with them. And I guess all of their friends were like, wow, this kid is going to be suffering <laughs> in this process of not only having to deal with them, but also having to deal with them with a, a, a child out of wedlock. And so did you share the news with them in Costa Rica? 
Um, no, they knew in advance. Like we basically, they knew in advance. we, we okay. are the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do, where you keep it close to the vest for three to six months or whatever. Cause we were like, Oh fuck. We just got to tell everybody because this is so out of left field. So basically all our immediate circle, including podcast uh, co-partners here, <laughs> everybody knew that possibly could. Well, that that actually kind of smoothed things over because that would have been a lot meeting them in person and being like, "So, want to do a toast here uh, to kick things <laughs> off?" Uh, but that that's good and it, a good way to kind of bond uh, and endear yourself to the family there uh, with a nice long trip. Yeah, they would have been horrified, I'm sure, once they saw that uh, Alex, uh, that my girlfriend was not drinking on the trip, would have been like, "What is? Boy, something here must have really changed." I think that would have been a dead giveaway <laughs> right away. But let's talk NFL headlines. And Pete, if you want to queue up the draft so we could try to do these both and. Um, in the same burst we can, but a couple quick ones. And I thought this is one that from the, the fantasy life newsletter, of course, that Pete does, which I, you know, check every day. Now it's coming out. It's coming out five days a week now, right? It was seven. Oh, seven. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah we're, we're ripping, <laughs> but a lot of great information every day. If you can't keep up with all the training cap hubbub, the different reporter takes, uh, Pete's doing a great job every day, breaking that down in a way, uh, frankly, the professionalism Pete brings there every single day, I would say a blessing in disguise or a surprise blessing, however you want to phrase it, but always good tidbits. And one today, Pete. Terrell Williams looking like a wide receiver one in Detroit, I thought was interesting because to me, th so this is something that I think sometimes people miss where we all want to get in on the high octane offense. You see the potential of like the Bengals and think, oh, the, the three headed wide receivers there, they're going to be great. To me, I want to have teams that are going to be trailing from behind a lot that are going to be shitty. I think Detroit fits that, that, you know, that group pretty well. And Jared Goff, certainly not great. I would love to have another quarterback in there, but just him having to throw a lot, it's going to have a big beneficiary. And I assume to be Brashad Perriman, but Terrell Williams, we have seen have big fantasy days in the past in shitty situations and i think in some respects he might be one of the more undervalued guys if he does get that wide receiver one role yeah it's it's a tricky one there i still do expect tj hawkinson and deandre swift to kind of be the focal points of the offense when they're healthy but the one thing i've noticed about tyrell williams and it, you hear the phrase that i mentioned it in the newsletter this study steady drumbeat uh where we don't want to overreact to you know training camp stuff but the guys we just continually hear over and over and tyrell williams has been one of them they keep saying you know even though people kind of assumed it would be brashad perriman that tyrell williams is the guy there the thing that gives me a little pause is we had that year in Oakland where I think it was when Amari got traded or maybe it was when that uh, and and Tyrell Williams was the presumptive number one there and he just did not pan out he was just mm -hmm. used as a situational deep threat Darren Waller of course emerged so I do have some concerns about his skill set but if he can be a more kind of advanced you know, player than he was in Oakland. And then Hawkinson is playing a poor man's Darren Waller. I could see that really working out. And again, he's almost free in drafts. I think his ADP is around pick 170 on underdog. Yeah, so definitely a guy maybe to take some flyers on if you haven't already. I think there's been, I was actually watching uh, Pat Corain talking with, uh, I think it was Bime Four, and I forget who the third, it might have been Daigle as a third man on NBC Sports Edge talking about sort of their approach for the Puppy 3, which we're going to draft in today, and how you might want to try to diversify some of your lineup. So if you're somebody that, like me, maybe draft a little too much Brashad Perriman early, or even Amon Ross St. Brown of USC alum, who's, I guess, looked in line to get a decent role, probably won't be getting as big of a role as people early uh, prognosticated about. Uh, but I would say in the spot, Getting Tyrell Williams in the puppy three seems like a good move. And maybe one will do today, Pete, I guess. One other question I have for you, uh, rookies. I feel like, and this is something that we talked about the last time we did a show and did a live draft. The rookies, I think, kind of coming back down to earth a little bit with how their roles are being perceived. We've had Elijah Moore being hurt, Rondale Moore, reports about him being a low A dot guy and that Cardinals offense so far during, you know, I guess, training camp and also a limited snip, uh, snippets of on-field action so far. Michael Carter, Javante Williams, and timeshares at best. Is this something you're feeling at all? Because I know you've been team rookie, team young guy, all that, but it feels like a lot of these guys were probably going a bit too high earlier in the draft process, and now... I don't know if you just avoid them entirely if you are drafting in a new tournament like the Puppy 3. Yeah, uh, I still think the the new tournaments kind of give you the, you know, the excuse to draft these guys efficiently. Even if it feels weird, you know, it's like the Darrell Henderson situation where I think he's basically undraftable in Best Ball Mania where there's guys who have him in the 11th, 12th round. In the Puppy 3, I actually think he's a little undervalued. I think he should probably be a third-round pick around DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins. He's going more mid-fourth round. So I think you can use those siloed tournaments to your advantage to still get exposure because you do have an information advantage. Guys like 
Elijah Moore and Terrace Marshall, who are having consistently good reports out of camp, I do think their rising ADP is justified. And now we're going to see it with Rondell Moore, too. I mean, just absolutely smashed his first preseason game. The usage is incredible. He's now moved from like pick 120, his ADP's pick 110. And I see people taking him at 105 basically every draft now. I think it's justifiable. Yeah, I could see that. And Terrace Marshall, I think, is probably the one guy who maybe uh, I, I would agree is probably a level beyond that, where really it just takes DJ Moore having some back issues is not the best. Robbie Anderson, our boy Splash Play Bob, also with a banged up hamstring, I think was reports for him. Uh, so definitely some things here that could be going that, um, you know, the way of a guy like Terrace Marshall Moore. And, and I think those are the guys I'd feel more comfortable taking that risk on, you know, where there is sort of an opportunity for them to get an even bigger role if it just takes one guy going down in front of them. And, you know, same logic, I guess, for the running backs as well, though. Michael Carter spending, uh, splitting time with Ty Johnson in the preseason so far, I feel like kind of worries me about him the most, whereas I think there's a more obvious pathway for a guy like Javante Williams. Yeah, and I think that's that's also the good way to use the news where it's almost not so much overreacting to the first guy, but bumping up the other guy. So in that Jets example, you know, Ty Johnson was splitting first team reps. Now, Tevin Coleman was out that game. So it'll be interesting to see what that split is when all three of them are healthy. But I think Ty Johnson is firmly on the radar because he actually profiles as the best pass catching back of those guys. So it could be a Michael Carter versus Tevin Coleman on early down situation right out of the gate. And Ty Johnson is more the veteran pass catcher who they trust in pass protection. He could see the field right away. So uh, we are on the clock yep. here, Spags, at pick 110. Uh, I know who I would take here. Who are you taking? I think it's Diggs for me, and I'm going to hope we can somehow get Ridley on the turn. But um, I like both those guys pretty close to even, but Diggs, I feel like the safer option. I thought we were going to get Kelsey, which I thought would have been fantastic to start this off. Yeah, Kelsey at 111 would have been very, mm -hmm. very nice. I would have ran to the podium with that one, but I agree. I think Diggs is the best pick there. I mean, we are now have kind of a clear top three at wide receiver with Adams, Diggs, and Tyree Kill. So anytime you can kind of scoop the last of that tier at the end of the round, I think uh, I think you do it. Yeah, I also, I would plant some Ridley flags as well. Um, all right, so here's one for you that I would be curious your thoughts on. I do like Jill Mixon, though I think I'm locked into going zero RB, I think, here, because I, I don't think it's a fantastic pick right now. I think A.J. Brown would be my preference over Hopkins, but I don't know if you feel the same way. No, I... I actually do. I think if I had one draft, I think I am probably taking AJ Brown over Hopkins. I, I do like Hopkins. I am starting to get worried, not worried per se. Uh, I think the offense is going to be really good, but I do think Rondell Moore is going to be good enough that he is going to command a lot of those short area targets. Last year, they just force fed Hopkins, every mm. one of those horizontal raid bubble screens. And now I think Rondell Moore is going to come in and get a piece of that. And DeAndre Hopkins just doesn't have the speed now in his career to be like a downfield target. So if he gets cannibalized just a little bit, I think he might be a being aggressively drafted where he is right now. And I think too, I know you're not the biggest fan of this guy, but AJ green has had some positive camp reports. I think also had some injuries going too, but I, there's enough bodies there. Christian Kirk, you know, taking another bit of a leap as well. Like there's a lot of ways here that I think Hopkins can get squeezed. So I'm with you. I think a solid pick, like I'm not going to begrudge anybody if he's there, but if you have the AJ Browns, if you have Ridley, if you have digs there, like I'd rather have all those guys over Hopkins right now. Yeah, uh, the scenarios where I've enjoyed taking Hopkins, uh, and this is, of course, my kind of galaxy brain trying to win it all take, is if I take Zeke Elliott in the first round and I can get Hopkins coming back with the Dallas and Cardinals uh, matchup there in Week 17, I kind of like that little uh, shootout potential in that game there. Yep. So there we could see a bunch. This feels like a different draft than the one we did last time where it was all wide receivers in that group. And I guess including uh, some of our guys in the chat as well. This is a, a, a very RB heavy draft so far in a way that if we're doing zero RB, like I think we're going to get our pick of the litter for that approach. Yeah, it's I will say we every single one of the, the first puppy draft was, I, I don't know, fairly normal. The puppy two is where the ADP got all out of whack. Wide receivers were going crazy early. I do feel like things have course corrected. I've done, I think about 10 or so of the puppy three drafts so far. And yeah, looking at this board here, it's not quite as crazed. It's still a little hard to tell in the first couple rounds. You can really start telling in the third and fourth, like, where the David Montgomery, Chris Carsons are going, if it's going to be a running back heavy room or not.
Uh, Jonathan, the chat asking where's DK Metcalf amongst all these guys for us. And I do like DK Metcalf. I think it's sort of tough for me because I view him and Tyler Lockett as probably closer than some people do. And I think, you know, it's a certain point DK getting older, definitely a bigger bodied guy working outside more like those are all positives for him. I think being, you know, having a higher trajectory potentially, but to me, like, I think DK is, is a tier beyond or behind rather AJ Brown digs Tyreek. And I think, you know, if you get him like in this spot, like if we can get him here, um, actually, if we could have gotten him rather, you know, in the third round or somebody could have gotten him early in the third round, I think it's a solid pick, but I feel like to me, like I would put him definitely enough behind some of these other guys that it's not that close for me. Yeah. I have him in that same tier as AJ Brown, Hopkins, DK and Justin Jefferson. I, I do know what you're saying. I think the, where he does end up in that tier really pays it off. If the reports are true and the Seahawks are a little more pass pass friendly than they were previously, all the reports out of training camp with you know Shane Waldron's new offense that they are going to play a little bit more up tempo finally let rest cook I think if they do that I think DK Metcalf definitely pays off his ADP if not if they're similar to what they were in the second half of last year when they took the feet off the gas then you're right he's probably more of a mid third round pick um, also, so Damon Skinny, I don't know if this is one of those chats because we, we tend to ignore the, the shitty chats that go for either of us here on the show because that's just that's what you do as a good co-host on any show. But who's Redcoat and how did they own you? I don't know what that I, means. In that I, I have no idea. I was oh. I was giving Damon the the show version of the mute okay. button. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, also Alan Robinson being on makes me sad if we could have gotten him. Uh, like Ginobili says, I think that would have been a very nice pick here on on this part. But let's see. Um, I guess we could take so. I believe in Cooper Cup. I do think Tyler Lockett's going to have the upside and maybe that might be more valuable, but I like the Rams offense. I think I've talked about him enough on this show already, but a Cooper Cup to me kind of seems like the guy that Stafford's going to gravitate the most to in that offense. Yep. I, uh, I, I am completely with you. I like both Cup and Lockett. Uh, a lot. Sometimes I would maybe just try to play the ADP game here. See if mm -hmm. he goes DeAndre Swift and I don't know, Julio or something and try to get both. Uh, but I have no problem locking up cup here, man. So this is kind of be tough. If we have Darrell Henderson here, I do think he's worth the pick just be, I, like, and I don't want to deviate from the zero RB necessarily, but it, Henderson, I think is really undervalued. He's actually the thumbnail on the video on the, uh, the splash play version of the, the splash play YouTube channel version of the show this week. And I'm a big believer here. And I feel like he and Mike Davis are the guys that I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on a little bit out of sort, you know, when, when you are going with a zero RB kind of strategy, I like Henderson enough here and he's gone. So I guess it doesn't fucking so matter. <laughs> I, I think Deandre Swift is a really, really nice pick here at pick 38. His ADP was 30, 31. He slid because of the groin injury, but he was back at practice yesterday, had a full workload. It sounds like he's completely okay. I think he's a really nice pick here. We could get, so we could get the Titan stack too. Um, I think that's the one thing I would say that might be interesting, but uh, I'll take Swift. If you really feel like, if you feel he's a stronger pick than Jones, I'm okay with it. I do think he's a stronger pick than Jones just because I think this window of the discount is about to slam shut uh, once kind of everyone catches up that he's back to uh, back to full health. Uh, James in the chat asking, why go digs? Don't you think Allen's going to regress? No, we can duplicate his accuracy from last year. I think it's just more the volume you see with downfield throws. Also, the fact that <clears throat> digs one of the highest targets per route guys, one of the highest targets per game guys. You know, we talk a lot about volume and how I definitely tend to err a little bit more on the side of really, you know, gravitating towards volume. But but digs to me was like the singular part of that offense that I think you'd see Cole Beasley go up and down. I think he's probably the guy who go down the most. You can see Gabriel Davis go up a little more. You can see Emmanuel Sanders have a good year. But I think either way, Diggs' role is going to be pretty cemented there, barring injury, of course. Yeah, uh, I think Diggs is an absolute smash pick. Uh, even if the offense regresses a little bit, uh, which I, I do, I, I hear that argument. I think Josh Allen probably has to regress a little bit, but his workload, uh, Diggs is, and his role in that offense is just so locked and loaded. Uh, and he actually didn't run that well on touchdown expectation last year either. So if he gets a couple more touchdowns, I think there's plenty of meat on the bone there. I think Diggs is both a very safe pick and a very high upside pick. 
Yeah, I'm on the same page with you there. And, you know, definitely any of these teams, like it certainly won't be surprising when you see the, you know, the ill-advised injury or QB taking a drop off. But there were also like some things floating around Josh Allen this week about his expected interceptions and the, the drop interceptions numbers and people are sort of debating those. I feel like the bloom is, I wouldn't say it's coming off the Josh Allen rose, but it does feel like perception wise, people are trying to find a lot of reasons to sort of nickel and dime him. And if that get, means you get digs a little bit, you know, a little bit later than you would have normally, I'm happy to take that discount or just, you know, take digs at face value anyway. Yeah, and also you look at what the market is doing with the other uh, pass catchers in that offense. First of all, they don't have a tight end who's even normally getting drafted. I've been taking some flyers on Knox, some on Hollister. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Gabriel Davis are routinely slipping to pick 140, 145. Uh, I mean, this offense is focused around Stefan Diggs. I think those guys are going to have their share of spike weeks because Josh Allen's good enough to kind of find the open man. But I think the market is correct in that Stefan Diggs is the alpha in this offense, head and shoulders above the other guys. This isn't like a Mike Evans, Chris Godwin situation, a Julio, AJ Brown. I don't think there's anyone who can routinely steal targets from him in a way that I'm worried, say, Rondell Moore could steal some targets from Hopkins. Yeah, and I think to a lesser extent, even like a Devontae Adams, like having Randall Cobb back in the mix could not be ideal if Funchess ends up usable, if Baldus Scantling is a little bit better. There are some ways you could see his target share kind of come down. But the guys that, you know, that Buffalo brought in, I just don't think it's a, a big move upwards. And they were such a pass heavy team last year. Like, I think they're, cha they're chasing the analytics with that a little bit more where people also have concerns that, oh, yeah, like this is going to be a year that Singletary runs a lot more and Singletary and Moss take a lot. I just don't see how that's going to be the case. Like, I think they know where their bread's buttered and obviously had fantastic results that last year. And I think sometimes people tend to overthink that. Like, if you're the Bills, why are you going to overhaul things that much when this worked so well for you last season? Yeah, I was getting, you know, you will occasionally see Josh Allen slide uh, to the late mm -hmm. fifth. I, I like pairing him with Diggs there when he does make that slide. This guy takes him unstacked from the two hole. Uh, I also don't mind taking Josh Allen even without Diggs because like I said, he's so easy to backdoor stack. All of those guys are going after pick 130, so you can lock him up. No, you don't really have to reach to complete any stack stuff. So yeah, I, I think Josh Allen's still very nice. I am being price sensitive with him. I'm being price sensitive with all the QBs in this range, but when I can get the stack or get a discount, I'm definitely open to it. Yeah, what is going to be the move for us now? Can we see the, the remaining yeah. players? Because I think, I was hoping Allen was going to fall too, and I thought there was a shot that might happen. Um I'm not a buyer on Claypool. I am a buyer on Mike Davis, but I don't. Uh, now we're we'd be fully deviating from zero RB at this point. But if he falls, I would I would take him. If I, I just use one veto card this entire it's draft, Davis. it's going to be Mike Davis. But uh, I will allow you to veto Chase Claypool, who I like. Uh, but I I get it. Oh, he goes, so it doesn't matter. I don't know. I I like all. I like uh, both Robbie and Odell here. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Robbie, uh, it would be hard to not take Robbie given that he was our first official mascot. And I don't, I don't think you lose that privilege just by having an off season. So I, I feel like Robbie, I'm okay backing him here though. I, I, we probably could get him a little bit cheaper, but it's, it is what it is. We got to take Robbie. Yeah. His, his ADP, if we, if we want to try to get both, I think it's possible to go Odell and there's chances that Robbie falls to our next pick. Um, oh, so Odell goes. So that makes it easy. I say we yep. lock up Robbie and uh, figure out what we want to do in the early sixth. Yep. I think that's, I think that's a good move here. Um, I also just, to, and I think this is something that we're going to deviate a little bit with Pete is that I, I do like, first of all, Mike Davis, I want to push back on more and it's a come, but okay, what pick are we going to do? I wouldn't mind taking an unsacked Dak just because I do think that he's valuable. I think he's got upside. I think taking a good QB here wouldn't be, the worst move and not worrying about the stack part. The only reason I wouldn't do that is because we have some other good stacks with Tannehill and Matt Stafford that I think we can get a little cheaper and it's going to be hard to backdoor stack uh, Dak. I'm just putting Kenny Galladay in real quickly. Debo, do you have a preference? Uh, boy, I hate, I would take Tyler Boyd out of that group, I think. Okay. Um, the, yeah, the only, it's like, I just don't, I think you're paying, you're paying a little bit ahead of ADP for an unstacked Dak with, pretty zero chance or, or uh, Gallup's already gone. So you're basically looking at the tight ends and Cedric Wilson late. I just don't love overpaying for, for an unstacked QB. And I think this is sometimes where I would be a little bit different is that if I have a team where like the stack just didn't fall to me in the way that I would like, like if Josh Allen had fallen there, obviously I'd be all in on the bill stack. Um, if we had gotten Julio Jones a little bit earlier, I'd be all in on trying to cover the bases we can with the Tennessee stack. But I, I think sometimes when you just don't get the falling the way you'd want, like I don't mind taking a high floor, you know, high ceiling QB like a Dak or even Russell Wilson too, though, again, would have made more sense if we did pair him with one of those wide receivers.
the chat was uh, pushing for TJ Hawkins in there, which that. I, that would have been that would have been a good pick. I actually missed that one. Uh, considering we had already made a bet on the Lions' offense with Swift, I think structurally he would have been a good pick there. But I, I don't, I still don't mind a wide receiver. I've actually kind of gone away from just absolutely hammering elite tight ends just because I've liked a lot of the mid to late tier tight end values. Like you're getting that. Logan Thomas, Higby, Noah Fant tier is now slipping. I also really like the like Irv Smith, Everett, Cole Komet tier. So I haven't been fully prioritizing it, but I, I agree with the chat that Hawkinson would have been a very nice pick there. I was also intrigued by Mark Andrews just because I do think the touchdown equity is going to be there for him. And also Bateman starting the year hurt, I think. Um, it's definitely going to be something that opens up a little more opportunity than might have been there otherwise, You know, even if he's just kind of starting wounded and, and playing. Um, so in this spot's me, I, I feel like, I Andrews and Hawkinson, I think were both picks that we should have considered a little bit more because Tyler Boyd, I don't love, I know you, you like the Bengals offense a little more holistically, but I agree. We probably should have gone tight end. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think if we could have that one back, uh, the only other nice thing when we do pass on the quarterback, uh, Tyler Boyd gives us another really good stack option. Joe Burrow continues to fall. I don't know why it was that first athletic report about him looking tentative in practice, but now all the reports have changed in that he's feeling more comfortable. He's got really good rapport with chase Higgins Boyd. So I think his ADP is going to slowly creep up again. Once the market realizes he's fine. So now between Tannehill, Stafford, and Burrow. We have three nice kind of like mid-tier but high upside quarterback stack options. And also, as Willis mentions in the chat, we can look for Higby as a mid-round tight end if we want to set up a double stack with Stafford. What are your thoughts on Chase Edmonds? Because he's another guy that I'm intrigued by. I do think the opportunity is there for him. He's very productive in a limited role or, you know, somewhat limited role last year because of Kenyon Drake. Um, and also, which is better than Drake in similar opportunities. Is he somebody you're buying into? Or are you afraid of, I guess, some of the things he didn't I think he didn't get any touches within the five last year? Something that's spooking some people off on Twitter. And obviously having James Conner there, too, can be a downside if Conner is, a, you know, even some fractional amount of what he's been in the last few years. Yeah, I like both Edmonds and Conner. I have been drafting more Connor just because there's like a four or five round gap in their ADPs. And I think it will be closer to a 50 50 than, than people realize. And even, I think maybe the most likely outcome is like a 60 40, uh, for Edmonds favor. So when Edmonds slips a little bit, I'm, I'm happy to grab him. I think this is just an offense that we want pieces of, uh, that is going to score a ton of points, but I do think James Connor could be their goal line back. I think he could be, you know, heavily, involved. And so that, that gives me a little pause on Edmonds, but I think they're both in that range, especially in like a modified anchored build like this, where Edmonds is a nice pick. Also people pointing out the number two pick has taken three straight QPs early. What does this guy's roster look like? Oh, wow. Okay. So he's, <laughs> you must think it's a super flex. I, I never can quite understand when this stuff happens. If, if they've set their queue weird, or if they are just hammering quarterback, what we need is like the people of underdog interviews where it's like, can we interview tiger Nick 25 after the draft and just hear what he was thinking? I, I like, I would be curious to even know. Yeah, I agree. Like just what the logic is. Like, even if it's really bad logic, I, like hearing somebody explain it and show their work as to why they think it's a good approach. Cause I'm sure like I, I, you might be less easily convinced. I'm sure he could be, he could convince me to some level where I'm like, yeah, I guess it's a good point here. Now we can't get good quarterbacks, <laughs> but it does seem awful to see it spelled out like that. So I do think we can, I think we can, Wait, I think we might have a nice crack at Higby Stafford at the 9-10 turn. So I do think we can go a lot of directions here at the 7-8 turn. Uh, if you are wanting to grab another running back in this range, uh, Moster is looking nice. Uh, you can reach a little bit for A.J. Dillon, who I think is a really nice pick. And then I, I also do kind of like this pocket of wide receivers with, I know you like Cooks. I like him, Fuller, uh, who still hasn't practiced for three weeks, but some nice options, Hardman as well. Yeah, Fuller, I would still, I would be reluctant to take still uh, just because I think the injuries, the uh, my two concerns, I've been sort of slowly being assuaged by uh, by just like, talking with people more and listening a little bit more to people are talking about with him. So I, I'm, I'm not fully anti-Tua, but... I would take Cooks. I think Mostert, I do think, has value. The Sermon has looked really good in a way that I think would scare me. Um, I would say if we want Mostert, we should take him now. If we are completely ambivalent and okay taking two wide receivers, then we we can pass on him. 
I think let's let's see wide receivers. Let's go Cooks. I think I I will not. I will always take Cooks there. I know people will be will always throwing out the injuries, all that stuff. I think it's still a shitty team with has the balls to go somewhere, and I don't think it's going to go to Nico Collins. So that's why uh, Cooks is always my dude. What are your feelings on McCole Hardman? Because he's not a guy I'm getting a lot of. It does seem like Byron Pringle is getting a little more camp love, but Hardman running outside, getting all those walk-ins routes, like it does feel like he should be better this year in a meaningful way. Yeah, I I like Hardman. He's, I split, you know, him and Cooks. Uh, I think he's very nice in this build. If we draft him, uh, we probably only need even one more wide receiver late after him. And then we set our sights on the other positions or we can go Moster and probably grab two more wide receivers late. Do you have a preference? I, uh, man, I think let's go Moster because I think we could take some flyer wide receivers and I don't want to totally, you know, prices out of that position. Um, That's, yeah. That's the one. I think that's also like an important lesson. I'm I'm with you. I, I like Hardman a lot, but you do just uh, you cap your flexibility just a little bit if insane wide receiver values fall because then you can't grab them. It's the same thing where when you take the elite tight end, then say you take another you know mid round tight end, you know, then all of a sudden a guy like who I like Cole Komet falls 25 spots. You can't take him because you're not you know investing three roster spots into solid tight end. So you do remove some of your flexibility when you do that. Um, and when you're drafting a guy at ADP like that, not necessarily a discount, I do think it makes sense in this build. Grab Moster, give us more flexibility. Our boy Drico in the chat saying, my fragile confidence is getting shattered with all this rookie hate. And Drico's one, uh, before I went on vacation, I think Drico had posted one of his rosters in the Splash Play channel on Pete's Discord, which of course uh, you should be a part of if you're not already for some reason and watching this video. And I think I called his roster build negative one RB, <laughs> which, <laughs> which I feel like is a sick burn if anybody wants to steal it and use it out there. Exactly. There you go. There's we we've named every single possible uh, version of, of fantasy <laughs> draft strategies at this point. Honestly, there's still some where like I've seen the names and I don't really like like robust. I don't fully understand. I'll just say right now. I don't get what the po- I don't I know it's a name. And it's like I feel like it's one of the newer names that people use a lot more. I still don't know what it means, Pete. So if you want to explain it, explain it to me, but also anybody else out there who's too ashamed to ask what it actually means. I mean, it's just the inverse of zero RB. So we took, you know, one, two, three, five, six, seven wide receivers through seven rounds or six rounds. Uh, it would just be like taking four or five running backs through six rounds. Gotcha. Um, Robusto is what we, yeah, we need to make that strategy popular again. We, I would, I desperately need an influencer to take a crack at that counselor. If you're up to the challenge, please <laughs> start streaming underdog drafts. Uh, there we go. Tiger Nick did not go QB to uh, Jay Wyke. I'll say Jay Wyke is the name, but J-W-Y-K-E. Well, however you want to say it, uh, let us know in the chat, so I, I won't say it the wrong way. Um, Marvin F- Marvin Jones, I feel like, honestly, I think is a better pick than Will Fuller. And I know there's people might think that's a training camp recency bias, but uh, Pete might remember that I've been pretty big on Marvin Jones throughout. I feel like he's the only adult in the room for the Jacksonville roster. And I think that's sort of what Urban Meyer is going to gravitate towards. Yeah, I don't like that take. I do agree with the take, though, that I'm I'm moving uh, Marvin Jones up my board a little bit. Uh, but I do think the Will Fuller stuff, Flores says he's going to be completely ready. He also has the extra week to recover Mm -hmm. because he has that week one suspension, but Fuller is just in a different kind of caliber of player than, uh, Marvin Jones. And I think if Tua is good, if he unlocks this offense, Fuller is going to be a major beneficiary, but I, I do want to get a discount on Fuller now with him not practicing. I don't think you need to draft him at ADP and it seems like the room is kind of still drafting him there. So I, I see your point on being a little hesitant, but I can't, I can't in my right mind, co-stamp uh, Marvin Jones over Will Fuller. Yeah. I think to me, Marvin Jones, the thing that stuck out last year is like people just never played him when the lions were shit down the stretch. And obviously, you know, Kenny Galladay being hurt and he was just like a monster last year in a way that I think was unexpected getting enough red zone work as well. Also still a guy who gets a good amount of deep targets. I don't know. He's going to get that in this offense, but I do think, uh, to me, especially with DJ Chark being hurt and Colin Johnson maybe being a better version of what uh, I guess Urban Meyer wants to see. DJ Chark is a guy, I don't know if you feel, you might feel more pangs for your boy LaVisca, but I do think that like DJ Chark is the one I worry the most about in that offense because he's a guy where like it was so volume-based for him, he looked good. But if Urban Meyer starts putting Colin Johnson out there for a fraction of those snaps, like he's just going to be boned. Yeah, I, I agree with you. My 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 take isn't to like move uh, Marvin up a ton, but more be very concerned about DJ Chark. And I do think 
that uh, I think that is a concern, both with the injury, both all the comments about Urban Meyer, you know, telling him he wants him to play bigger. And then you have guys like Marvin Jones and Colin Johnson and LaVisca who are, are all very big physical wide receivers. So I think that's going to be interesting to pan out. You are starting to get pretty good discounts on DJ Chark now. Uh, I have taken him, you know, around like pick 85 to 90 where he'll sometimes fall, but I'm with you. Uh, There's so many better options where uh, DJ Chark is going right now. You're definitely not a guy to reach for. We're in agreement there. Also, if you guys are watching now, it looks like we have about 60 people watching live. And if you're watching after the fact as well, help us out. Hit that like button. It does. Uh, I know Pete's Pete's too shy to ask for likes. He's got the inner confidence that he doesn't need the likes on YouTube, but it helps him out a bunch. It helps everybody you watch on YouTube out a bunch. So help us out and hit that like button, of course. Uh, we got to take Higby now, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think Higby's perfect. We're getting him a few picks after ADP. The real question now is, do we gamble on the Stafford stack? We have... Did he already go? How did that happen? Did he? Who oh. he went? Who took? <laughs> did Tiger took Dick it? take him? <laughs> oh come on! I can't even read your name out loud. Oh. Uh, he, <laughs> There's no he, such thing as a bad one, he, is what I would say. <laughs> he, he took he took him unstacked ahead of ADP with uh with other guys on the board. So I guess the question now is. We could uh I do don't Tannehill uh I think with AJ is a very nice stack. Tannehill, I wouldn't mind. I also, yeah, I think we just, let's get a QB in the mix. I think is probably the move. I also wouldn't mind Melvin Gordon here. I know that's not stacking in any way, but I have to point out Melvin Gordon. I deeply expect to have the lion's share of work for Denver. And I think they're going to be better. And I'm, I'm intrigued by one drew lock and what he's shown and his parallels Oops. to a young Josh Allen. Oops. I accidentally clicked Ryan Tannehill instead of <laughs> Melvin Gordon. <laughs> no, I was, I was okay with that. I think getting Tannehill in the mix, we know any week Derrick Henry doesn't do well. You're going to get probably a little more Tannehill going, which I, I don't mind as a leverage play on, you know, one of the higher picks. So, uh, but Melvin Gordon, I know you don't like him, Pete, but uh, Javante Williams is not going to get that work right away unless Melvin is actually like hurt, hurt. Yeah. Um, I, I think like Melvin Gordon is just like beyond dust. I mean, last year he was losing a ton of work to Philip Lindsay, uh, UDFA. And now they draft a really talented rookie who's looked good in preseason. The reports are that they're high on him. I do agree that Melvin Gordon is going to get some work at the beginning of the season. I don't think they're just going to get rid of him. Also, Mike Boone is out for four Mm -hmm. to six weeks. So he's not really going to lose a lot of touches to kind of ancillary backs. But I just, it's not a matter of when, but if, or sorry, it's not a matter of if, but when, you know, Javante Williams takes over that backfield. So I just don't like drafting guys in these large field tournaments who I feel like are holding on for dear life with their role. I think that's reasonable. The one thing that does, you know, strike me was that when Lindsay got hurt down the stretch, they definitely leaned in on Gordon more. Lindsay not back. Gordon is obviously though the the contract's definitely more in play. I'm actually going to look up some supporting numbers for for Gordon because I do think there are some you could point to. So here, um, in terms of his when he's on the field, he was getting 27% of the intended touches per uh per game basically. So he was getting 16.5 touches out of. 41.7 snaps that puts him right alongside Nick Chubb puts him ahead of Ronald Jones puts him ahead of James Conner David Johnson Chris Carson like guys who are getting real workloads and that to me is a number that I don't think it's talked about quite as much like targets per route run but intended touches like we're, we're just we're one of the guys out in the field all that means is the guy has to be out in the field a little bit more and that number can spike up meaningfully and I don't know Melvin Gordon like he's looks like he's number 13 in terms of intended touch percentage last year and that's like, that's a good mark for a guy that nobody likes. One other thing I'll say about Melvin Gordon specifically is you, even if you like him, you have to be extremely price sensitive in these rooms because he will legitimately slide 30 picks past ADP. You are on an island with this take, so you should take advantage of it. I've seen him at pick 140, pick 150. I tweeted the other day a similar back. David Johnson went undrafted in one of my puppy drafts. So if you like Melvin Gordon, just scoop the value, never draft him at ADP because the rest of the room doesn't like him. Um, and that would be my only other kind of big argument of not taking okay. him where he, where his ADP is. Wait, is it? So it's possible we might get Melvin Gordon to like <laughs> substantially later. All right. So look, if that's the case, then I will fully admit that you're right. I just think the field they're lower on him in a way that I don't think is fully fair to Melvin Gordon. I think it's like the age bias thing. And and Melvin Gordon, I don't think is even 30 yet. I might be rounding down a little bit there, but he's Lugieri. Thank you. I'm going to send you a fruit basket. <laughs> Melvin Gordon is 28 of spry 28 turned 28 in April. So he's in the prime of his life. He, he's off the board. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Thank, I'm glad somebody did it. 
That's a thank you. Oh, that That's was Vujieri. I thought it was. Oh, that was somebody in chat. Yeah, Vujieri. Vujieri is <laughs> going to win the league. I think we could say he's going to win it all. <laughs> um, yeah, I do not like this pick uh, for his build. Um, <laughs> I I do actually like it, again. I if I am going to find myself on your side of this take, I will say at a steep discount and in zero RB builds where you've maybe taken like more aggressive handcuff shots, maybe the Tony Pollards, uh, the AJ Dillons who might not have a defined role right away. And Melvin Gordon is helping you buy time early on in the season with those early bankable touches. I think those are the conditions where Melvin Gordon can make sense. So here's, here, I'll throw out one spicy take here. I will say, and these are two guys that, that Pete has pushed back on that I feel more strongly about. Um, and I think there's a little more risk to one of them than the other. I will say that for my hot take for this show, Melvin Gordon and Mike Davis both end up as top 12 running backs. This no, I'm telling no touchdown equity going to be there in a big way. Who's taking red zone touches from those guys who's taking goal line carries. Mike Davis gets catches. Gordon gets catches. People are sleeping on them and they could be league winners. I think. Can we, can we bet a hundred dollars and I'll give you both of them. If one of them finishes a top 12, uh, I give you a hundred dollars. Okay. If neither you give me a hundred dollars done. done. Okay. Done deal. Thank That's the first bet. Yeah. yeah she, <laughs> she got that First bet of the season here, folks. And if you are <laughs> new to splash play, we do do our ride or die picks every week. And let's just say, you know, the picks last year, Pete, I think you're due for a comeback this year. Cause oh, well, uh, see, a little better for me. This is what you were, you were right. My, here's what happened with my ride or die picks. I go crazy. You're the crazy one right now. You're doing what I did during the season during DFS picks. That is true. I, but uh, see, but I think you're, you're like, it's not saying like, oh, like who is, well, what is one of your flimsy ones where you're like, yeah, like uh, <laughs> Mooney's going to have 700 yards and a touchdown <laughs> this week. Like, I feel like this is in the realm of possibility. And based on the roles, we know these guys are going to get the work. I think the Atlanta offense is going to be viable. I, you know, the defense sucks outright. That could be a problem, but. Um, I don't know. I'm a believer in both those guys and and I'll be a hundred dollars richer at season then. I'm writing this one down. It's too good not to remember. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got I, I never mind Traquan, though at this point his ADP has come down enough that I feel like it's not necessarily I don't know if it's even a wise move to take him. Um, tight end, I do think Ingram and Smith are perfectly fine plays as well. Um, Irv Smith, I'm actually the most intrigued by it. Me too. Yeah. I've been yeah. I've been starting to draft more Irv Smith. I really like him in this range. Uh the only thing that boxes out of someone mentioned Ferkser to pair with our Tannehill stack. Ferkser has not been looking good in camp. He's been splitting all these first team reps at tight end. So I think he's kind of in the Adam Troutman territory where he might be a bit of a Fugazi uh, as far as what his tight end role is. Um, let's buckle down here. I think with this build, we should be probably looking at a, a running back here. Mm -hmm. I think, I think Jamal, Oh no, we have Deandre Swift. Um, Probably Naheem Hines. I don't know. Uh, some guy to give us a little bit of a floor in this backfield. Yeah, I think Hines makes sense. Murray, I, I'm not buying the him getting replaced, you know, kind of rumors that are out Same. there. So, yeah, I would take Hines, but I don't I'm okay Murray. with Murray too, if you want. Yeah, no, um, yeah, I would just, I would take Hines. I think the pass game work is still there. And I think it's going to be an, I think that backfield is going to be kind of a dumpster fire with Marlon Mack being back in the mix too, um, unless he somehow ends up a surprise cut. Yeah, the only other option I did see, the reason I think I wanted to go running back there is I do think there's kind of a tear break here uh, where we're now kind of getting into some really true flyers. The, the other consideration for me would have been to just toss Gabriel Davis onto this team. We already have digs and basically just doing an unstacked kind of Bills double hmm. stack there would have been interesting to me, but I also didn't want to get fully squeezed out at some you know running back options since we are kind of going more zero RB essentially with this build. Also, since I was being filleted in the chat for my my aging running back takes, I have to say our accountant Willis is also saying I do hope for my sake that Mike Davis is a top 12 running back. And um, I hope so for Willis as well. I think Mike Davis, I honestly, I could have made a hotter take for Mike Davis. I think he gets close to the top seven, but uh, you know, we, we got we oh, set the line where he does. <laughs> well, hey, God, as a, one example I've been using is, so we've been projecting Mike Davis for this this volume and and i get the take but i feel like miles gaskin is the perfect cautionary tale he's been being drafted right around mike davis everyone projecting him as the lead back there's no way malcolm brown you know with steel carries then they come out in the preseason game he's running with the ones he's playing in a lot of these past situations looking like they like him if not more at least equal 
to Miles Gaskin, all of a sudden Miles Gaskin's ADP dips two mm -hmm. rounds. And you can disagree with whether that should dip or not. But I'm just saying, I think it illustrates how fragile it is for these types of non bell cow backs. Does the Gaskin situation give you pause? So I, I think that's a good one to look at, but I do think Malcolm Brown was a free agent acquisition. They thought he brought something different to the table and maybe, you know, a better pass catcher, I think would be the assumption as well as probably a better pass blocker than Gaskin is. Um, so I think that came with real risk. Whereas like, I, I know there are people, you know, Hawkins, something that people are hyping up in Atlanta. I think people still think Kadri Allison might be a thing. I don't think those guys are things. I think they brought Mike Davis in to be, you know, the Michael Turner gets to harken back to another free agent signing for Atlanta. Obviously a different regime, but they brought that guy in. They were like, he's an undervalued asset. We're gonna give him a shitload of touches. I think it's what they're bringing him in for. And I also believe enough in the offense. And I think the defense is going to be shitty enough that all it takes is Calvin Ridley, you know, being great, but not uh, taking all of Julio's work or, you know, Gage and, and Pitts not taking all that work and just leaving goal line touches for Mike Davis. In addition to him having PPR upside, like I don't get why people are as down on him as they are other than the fact that he's just a journeyman. Yeah. To me, it's just one of those things. Like if we were playing a four week season, I would be way more interested in guys like Melvin Gordon and Mike Davis. I, I, I think people are forgetting Mike Davis was a guy that people weren't even drafting as the direct pure handcuff to Christian McCaffrey last year. And it's just very, very rare for guys with his profile at his age to hold on to their roles. Now, the, the counter argument is who's going to take it away from him. But in the same way, we never would have envisioned that Malcolm Brown, who looks legitimately bad, would be stealing work from Miles Gaskin. I think guys like Quadre Allison and I think Javian Hawkins, or if they trade or, you know, sign a guy like Sody Michelle, uh, whatever, like there are things that can happen that are going to quickly kind of strip away our confidence on players like this. And I guess I would just say, I don't think the Falcons have, you know, some specific allegiance to Mike Davis. I don't feel like they have to save face with him being good. Like he was just a typical free agent signing. So I think there's lots of red flags on Mike Davis. Same to Melvin Gordon though. If you can get a discount on it, I took him at pick 80 in a draft the other day. I think his uh, ADP is like pick 63. So on those guys, I want to make sure I'm getting a discount. So here are some other things too that I, and again, it's going to be a different offense. So I think you could sort of, you can definitely poo poo with some of these takes a little bit more, but Gurley last year getting 3.5 red zone carries a game, um, getting also 1.1 touches inside the five. And I, to me, that's more of the offense and the way that it worked out with just these guys, like these wide receivers are fantastic for Atlanta. Matt Ryan's a great QB, but they're not always going to get into the end zone. And you have Mike Davis who had a pretty high intended touch number. Again, a number that I look at here, but 25% intended touches in uh, Carolina last year. Also getting 2.7 red zone rushes a game. Also getting one, uh, one-ish uh, carry within the five each game. Like these are things that I think can port over pretty well. And I, if I had to guess, things they saw in his profile when they were signing him, they're like, hey, this guy is basically like Atlanta's doing what you're supposed to do, bringing any running back and assume they could do, you know, the work that you need to have done if you give them the volume. I think that's why he is valuable, and I know, and I, I get why people would poke holes in it, and I, I agree if they bring in somebody else, it would be certainly a really bad reflection, but they haven't brought in anybody else, so like at a certain point, I think you just have to take it for what it is. Yeah, and again, my, my final point is just the same as the Melvin Gordon. It's a minority take in these rooms, so use that to your advantage, and mm -hmm. If you're doing it again, if you're doing one draft and you want to get your guy, go get your guy. If you're doing a bunch of drafts, you will see Mike Davis fall 10, 15 spots behind ADP in basically every other one of these drafts. So use that to your advantage when it comes to the pockets of the draft, pass on him at ADP and scoop him uh, on a discount. And then you'll just be able to build much better teams. This is also a very shitty grouping of wide receivers here. Like all guys, I feel like who were in less good positions than they were in the beginning of the drafts where you have T.Y. Hilton, Jamison Crowder, Paris Campbell, Perriman, like all four of those guys have taken turns downward. How are you feeling about this group of wide receivers that's left for us? And I guess running backs, because it is sort of getting ugly here in a way that uh, we're gonna have to make some some less than desirable choices. Yeah, so the way my brain shifts in this spot is I start thinking of how do we build in our backdoor stacks. So if we want to go running back, I think we can pair Madison with Irv Smith, make a bet on the Vikings. If we want to go Hilton or Campbell, we can backdoor stack Wentz. We also have Hines. If we want to grab a, a guy that we just kind of like in a vacuum, maybe like a Christian Kirk, we can do that. Um, any any of that stand out to you here? I think T.Y. taking T.Y. Hilton here, I think seems logical. I guess the, the question I would have, and it's sort of my concern with Wentz, is like, like, 
are you actually like, are you comfortable taking Wentz? Because it, I know he's sort of progressing in a way that it seems like he'll be closer to week one than not. But like Ellinger, I don't think is bad. Like, I think that he's somebody that could be in and be useful. And maybe they don't rush Wentz back if they see enough out of him. Like, that's sort of my one fear about going to Wentz at all. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a slight concern. I think ideally you would have Wentz paired with like a, a more elite quarterback and then it's more gravy. I have been doing a little bit more three QB builds. I do think, say in a build like this, Tannehill, we, we could stack like Robbie with Darnold and also tack on Wentz. Basically one mid-round QB and two super late QBs. Um, I also think another target would be to add Jamison Crowder here and to go after uh, Zach Wilson would be a, another option. I'm not a Crowder believer at all. I think he's getting, I think he's the one getting squeezed the most by these guys being in there. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't be opposed to taking one of the QBs now if we feel like we have to, but we don't, we don't. Okay. So it's, it's either Madison yeah, or one like of Madison. these wide receivers. Yeah. I'm big on taking Madison whenever he's even remotely around that ADP, just because all it takes is cook being hurt. And then you have basically, you know, one of the top running backs. I mean, he, I know he kind of just underperformed when he was uh, filling in for cook last year, but still the opportunity is huge for Madison. And I think he's good enough. Yeah, so let's look at our structure now to kind of reverse engineer what picks we're going to do. So we're done at tight end. We're good mm -hmm. there with Higby and Irv Smith. Uh, we're going to for sure add one more quarterback. I think we could make the case for two depending on where we snag our second one. I think we're definitely going at least one more running back. Probably um, the luxury pick is going to be do we go six running backs or three quarterbacks i think we're for sure going to just add one more wide receiver and stop at eight so where are we landing with tevin coleman now because i think that he to me has gotten more secure in the rb1 role based on like it looking like johnson and carter sort of lumped in together and coleman not getting any work there that could also be because he's very old um but i was buying in a lot of them on the early puppy and the, the first puppy are you still with tevin coleman or like or do you think now he's just fallen i don't know fallen out of favor in some way no, I, I still don't mind Tevin Coleman. I think he's more at risk of, you know, getting faded out, uh, phased out throughout the season. And I think it's maybe more likely that Ty Johnson holds on to his role as the pass mm -hmm. catching back. I view Tevin Coleman very similar to how I view Melvin Gordon, where I think you're going to get some early down production. I just like Tevin Coleman a lot more because he's three, four rounds cheaper generally. But yeah, I'm, I'm fine with Tevin Coleman. The coaching staff seems to like him They're They've been kind of resting him here. They didn't rush him back for preseason. So I think he's going to be a, a part of their offense. I think the question for him is, does he have the juice and burst that he used to, to really do anything with this? Or if he looks like he's stuck in molasses, do they just go to Carter right away? Also, question from Jonathan in the chat, which I think also fits given that we had Adam Troutman just drafted. But how do you feel about Michael Thomas right now? I, I think that's I would have a tough time drafting him because I did pay a higher capital price than some of the early puppies. And I think unless he's falling really below ADP right now, I don't know that I have the trust level. But what are your thoughts on Thomas? And I guess also Troutman seemingly maybe not being the tight end one after people have been treating him like that all offseason. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty out on Troutman. Uh there was nothing he really did last year to indicate that he would be making a big leap. People just kind of made the assumption, vacated targets. He's the starting tight end. Why not? Uh, it does not seem like they view him as this starting caliber tight end. Jawan Johnson having a really good camp as well. Uh, Michael Thomas, I do not mind. First of all, don't do it in best ball mania where teams already have him, uh, or actually, no, sorry. I'm thinking of Durant. Well, yeah, you should do it in Best Ball Mania. You can't yeah. do it in Best Ball Mania for sure. I The context I like him in are zero RB builds where he is your seventh or eighth wide receiver. And he's a very mm -hmm. luxury pick. Same with Rashad Bateman now as well, where he's starting to slide. I think if you're going like hyper fragile running back and you're taking three early and Mike Thomas has to be like your fourth wide receiver, I don't like that because I think you're probably already dead uh, there, but if you want to have him as a luxury add in a zero RB build, I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's a good way to look at it. Where really, like, if you're relying on him to produce or even to be on the field, that's probably not the move. But I, I would agree, like, luxury picks and where you're sort of, you know, if he gets in by week eight, week nine, whatever the case may be, um, you know, maybe he's really useful down the stretch, but you sort of have to be able to weather the storm of all time before that. Yep. So, still here with four more picks uh coming up i still think we can probably did sam darnold go goodness <laughs> i guess that's what happens when somebody dude, look at this team dude <laughs> he's 
Baker Fitzpatrick. This guy needs to go into his uh his settings and <laughs> his thing. And then Ecan takes Sam Darnold. You want to know why? This is the classic thing because Silva and the ETR guys and Daigle have been pushing how Sam Darnold has the perfect schedule to pair with Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. And so now this guy takes an unstacked uh Sam Darnold because he read a tweet. That's what happened. <laughs> that's see, and that's sort of part of why it's me. Like I do like to be a little more value minding or minded with the drafting because like people will come in with this idea or like you're saying they see a tweet and it's like, you know, then that screws up everything. And I think that you just need to be able to take advantage of the room you're in. Um, but I think that obviously if you're not coming with a strategy and you end up being worked like we did the last draft we did where all the wide receivers were gone. So um, so yeah, I think we're going I think we're probably going running back wide receiver with these two picks and then finishing up with two quarterbacks. Okay. I think that's fair. Um, running back. Oh, you know what? I think, Mm -hmm. I think Darrington Evans as the other kind of quasi stack partner with Ryan Tannehill makes a decent amount of sense in this build. I'll I'll take it. I'll I'll live with it. We can also probably wait on him for this other pick. Do you have a wide receiver you like as our last wide receiver? Um, I mean, all this Scantling has been having an insane camp apparently. I, I've always also been teamed to Sean Jackson, though. I, I feel like that's uh, we've taken enough old guys where I don't think I need to have that. Um, OK, I, I went and grabbed Va- Valdez Scantling. He's okay. another one of those guys like Tyrell Williams, where literally every day the beat reporters are saying he's having the best camp of his life. Um, yeah. One other thing about I guess Darrington Evans and Carson Wentz have very similar ADP. So if we think that Evans is less of of necessity we could just lock up Wentz now because we already have the two colts guys and get our second quarter i think let's take Wentz, and then i am going to make a sake drew lock <laughs> that's, that's fine okay um i think i think drew lock also works naked to me because he does run enough and he does also have some touchdown equity yeah with the third qb uh i still generally kind of like to stack it if i can but it's, it's something that darrington evan goes one pick after um i don't think it is uh a complete necessity to stack that. Um, so that, that is fine to, to me. If you're taking a naked QB, it has to be a guy who can run for some touchdowns and has to be a guy who has a pretty diverse target share. And I do think lock fits that criteria where like we, we certainly could have gotten to stack and could have gotten, you know, to Judy and could have gotten to Sutton and all those guys. But like, you know, there are going to be weeks where Tim Patrick has a week. There's going to be weeks where Judy has the week. I think that to me just gives drew lock enough where he's going to be involved in all that. I also, and we didn't get Melvin Gordon too, so you know there you go. <laughs> I do think if we wanted to, we could also go. We could go two more running backs. Um, just looking at this, but I think three quarterbacks, five running backs is yeah. Is I think with Wentz fine. in particular, and sort of the risk profile of him, as well as the fact there's going to be weeks that Tannehill does absolutely nothing. Like I think having one guy in there who gives us some sort of floor, and I don't know if Drew Lock actually making the the floor cases there for him, but a floor of negative four is still a floor. Yeah. Um. Yep. I, uh, it does seem it's interesting. A lot of the reports make it seem like it's a camp battle. One of the Broncos reporters, I think I wrote, I forget. I think it's like Zach Kiefer. Maybe, uh, he, he thinks that if Locke plays well against the Seahawks this weekend, that he's going to lock up the job. I think he's looked better so far than Teddy. Like Teddy's kind of who we knew he would be and who he has been like just a guy who's going to do, you know, enough to not cost you the game. Whereas like, I do think if they invest in Locke and trust him and deal with the, the ups and downs again for one more year, I think there's going to be more ups and downs this year. But that's just like at a certain point, he's got the weapons. He's been a deep, a willing deep thrower, even if not a good deep thrower. And I think at a certain point, if you're willing to do it, you're eventually going to get better at it. But that's just one of my pet theories. I mean, the one thing I will say, I mean, I I think the skill position group in Denver is just so unbelievably good. Mm-hmm. And that if Locke can just keep the turnovers and kind of his gunslinger, you know, ways to a minimum. I, I think he, he could have a great year uh, with these guys. Yeah. 5.5 deep balls a game. That's right there with Brady. Who's 5.7 last year. Um, a little bit ahead of, of Jake Luton. <laughs> what a run Jake Luton had. He, if he had had one good game, I feel like we would have been like, Oh, Jake Luton's just one of those guys kicking around and has a shot to be useful. And now he's, I don't even think he's in the, like in the league right now. Yeah. I, I have not, not heard his name uh, recently. The Broncos have had, ever since Elway, he had his you know coup where he got Peyton Manning to to come, and then other than that, it has just been a disaster, more or less. 
I guess he's still on the Jaguar. So good for Jake Luton. He's hanging in there. Um, hope, probably hoping that Gardner Minshew. Did you see Gardner Minshew looking all ripped and shit, by the way? Yeah, every, and they, they're saying he's playing well at camp. I mean, so is Trevor Lawrence, but yeah. it is funny. Uh, Gardner Minshew. He could, if anyone could have like a secondary career as an influencer of some sort, it's, it's Gardner Minshew. He also like, he should be a backup somewhere like where like an injury prone QB, like, I don't know, like if, if Garoppolo didn't have Trey Lance behind him or something like that kind of spot where like, you know, there's a chance he could play one or two games. Like he deserves something better than just, you know, never getting a chance to see the field again. This is uh it's just, it is a very funny room when a guy takes five QBs. It definitely, <laughs> uh, it definitely forces some of us into three QB builds that we wouldn't otherwise do, but uh, as lock. <laughs> Holy cow. What is this guy doing? He took okay. Oh, he, because he took two QBs on the same bye week. He had to get the third. <laughs> can't even get Drew Locke. Tough room. Tough room when you can't even so, get Drew Locke. Let's look at some of our options here at quarterback. Um, Watson, Hill, Goff. Uh, things are starting to sound decent for Winston right now. I mean, the highest upside guys are probably... Winston, the Saints QBs, and I guess that's it. Is it a we world could, where we would consider Deshaun Watson and hope he just gets somewhere? I mean, I think we could do that. And if he somehow ends up back in Houston, we have him stacked with uh, Brandon Cooks. Yeah. I think I would go Goff. I mean, honestly, Goff, I wish he would have gone Hawkinson, but I feel yeah. like it's got to be Goff or Watson for me. Um, I, I don't take Watson a lot. I think he can make sense in this build. Okay. Um, I'm going to let the clock run down. Let me get him in my queue. Maybe I'm not. The queue's not working, so I'll just draft him. Um, let's look at our running back options here. Okay. I I like a few of these. Um, I'm, I'm in on Gainwell. I think he's going to have a pass-catching role, and he continues to get some first-team usage, and I think he could finish the season strong. Um, anyone else jumping out to you here, though? Um, I don't, I'm not buying the, you know, Benjamin hype. I don't think there's enough room for him to get enough of a role. Um, Stevenson, I feel like is also looked good yesterday, but I don't think is there. I'd, I feel like I'd go gain. Well, yeah, I think that he was a guy I was worried could just be completely buried on the depth chart early, but he's been getting first team reps in practice. He got a first team snap last night, which I know it's just one snap, but to me, I think it's showing that the team does trust him. And I think he's going to have a pass catching role on this team. And so when you get the combination of the rookie black box mystery of maybe this guy is just really good early role and in a pass catching way with, you know, a chance for more in the event of an injury, uh, I start to really like him as a 18th round pick. Yeah, and it does feel like he should at least be able to squeeze Boston Scott out, um, you know, at some point soon, especially if they do trust him the pass protect and all that. Um, Ross is asking if you're going to sauce teams. I know we have a tight deadline here, Pete, but any, anybody you want to insult on the way out? I mean, we just, I mean, yeah, we, we are crunched for time here. Uh, Tiger Nick, I mean, I, <laughs> if you are really behind the wheel of this draft, I just, I really want to know what's going on in that head of yours. <laughs> That's it's either the most beautiful mind or this man is going to win all the money and just <laughs> with one QB at a time. Look at this. Uh, maybe maybe they changed the settings to Superflex mid draft and we didn't hear about that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you would know as one of the preeminent spokespeople for for underdog. All right, Ro we can do Ross's. Uh, we'll do Ross okay. real quick. He's team four here. The ice cream main. Uh, he goes Kamara and then uh, anchor RB here. Lamb, McLaurin, Higgins, Pitts. They're nice. Visca, Juju, Dylan, Elijah Moore. What do you want me to sauce this team? This is like a beautiful team. I love drafting teams like this. Burrow and Lawrence, who you stack with Higgins and Visca. You come and you get Janu, who's injured right now, but should be fine. Damian Hamler, the sleeper pick du jour, Gio Bernard, Ty Johnson, Colin Johnson for your double stack. Nico Collins, high upside. It is, it's a great team. I don't know what to say. It's like some interesting guys. I don't love Kamara in the first round just because I do think if if we do see Taysom start, like that's going to immediately hurt Kamara enough that I think he should be closer to the back end of the first round than the the front end. But um, but you know, besides that, I think I love McLaurin. He's one of my favorite picks. And honestly, like I'm not as big of a believer on CD as some people. That's one thing I would say is like I actually think McLaurin is a better second round pick than CD is personally. But you got both, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm. I, I I mean I love CD Lamb. I generally play the ADP game, and I would take DK Metcalf over him because sometimes you can get CD Lamb in mm -hmm. the early third. So, uh, yeah, if we're gonna sauce him, uh, 
just relax on your your CD Lamb reaching. We don't need that ADP getting up into the mid second round here. Yeah, and the one feedback I would give, besides taking Melvin Gordon, and Mike Davis everywhere you can, obviously they're both top twelve running backs. I think there's no disagreement there. Uh, we'll find out with the tune of a hundred dollars on that between Pete and myself. But also, you know, just make sure to not take five six quarterbacks in a draft. I think that's sixty six percent of your roster space or thirty three percent of your roster space going to QBs. Probably not plus EV would be my guess. So I am naming this uh, splash play draft with Spags. So so uh, basically what the goal will be, Spags, is to um, win this tournament and then you will get, I think first place is 100,000. I think so it's I can, 200 now, I think, or 150. Is it, it is was, first place 200? Okay. Yeah, I think it went up, yeah. So you would be getting 900 or uh, what would you get? 99,000. Thousand nine hundred dollars because then I keep the hundred from the bet, but then I send okay. you the rest of your share. <laughs> Honestly, we, we are going to have a couple more drafts here to close it out, and there has to be one Pete where we take both Mike Davis and Melvin Gordon just to make sure we actually win the tournament. Maybe, maybe we hop in one in the same draft room together and you do that on your account. I don't want to mess up my beautiful exposure. Oh, you the pick like that's, that. that's fine. All right. What are the final plugs, Pete? I know you're back on a show schedule or are you? I don't actually don't know that. I shouldn't have said yeah, that. Yeah, no, I'm going to like the, these next two weeks are going to be crazy. We're doing a ton of high stakes drafting over mm-hmm. at ship chasing. I think we have a span of five streams in five days, uh, high stakes drafts. And then I'm also, I, I haven't like quite figured it out yet. I was going to do something like 20 drafts in 20 days. I'm still workshopping it, but I basically am going to try to fire a best ball stream almost every day uh, between now and, and Labor Day. So I'm going to see what the scheduling is on that, but I'm just ready to draft. We're going to be drafting uh, mm-hmm. on splash play leading up to the season. So yeah, just uh, we got to take advantage for these awesome. these final months of uh, drafting. Are we eating a pizza next week, by the way? <laughs> yeah, we need. Yeah, why don't we do that? Uh, okay. So but, yeah. tell tell the people the plan and we can flex next week's show. I have a show from like three to four. Um, do you want to do a lunchtime version or do you yeah, want to do yeah. like- I mean, I'm my schedule's open till nine one anyway, so that's fine. Um yeah, cool. so so next week, one of our last of pre- off-season episode draft ideas that we didn't get to do, we will eat it, we will both each eat an entire pizza throughout the course of a best ball draft. And I feel like Pete, this has to be a first as well. I, I mean, you know, I care a lot about the first it has to be the first time that two people have eaten an entire pizza while doing a best ball draft. Yeah. And is, is our, is there like a punishment if we, if we don't finish it or is this like the DraftKings pizza challenge from a few years back? Because I failed that and my strategy wasn't good, but I, I just need to know, are we just leisurely eating pizza or do we have to finish a pizza? We have to finish it. Um, what I, what would be, I guess we tell us what a good punishment would be. It'd be the first thing. That's not anything like a uh, physical appearance altering, but unless you have a good idea, I mean, I'm certainly open to doing a punishment. Um, we might, we might need to talk about the time for this show because <laughs> it's going to ruin my day. Uh, and I have like four streams on Friday, so we're going to figure this out. I will eat a pizza. But I'm not going to. It'll be happen happy before the season if it's not. Next, but it's going to happen. We have to close this one thing out, and yeah, you maybe you have to draft Melvin Gordon all of your remaining drafts. <laughs> how about how about this? What if we flex it? If I'm if I'm doing a eating a damn pizza, <laughs> it might need to be at. It might need to be at least a two thirty start. I got to be in my intermittent fasting window. I can't no, be that's eating. Fine. So, that, so that'd be at eleven thirty. Yeah, that's fine. I could do it at eleven thirty. Yeah, this is even more absurd for you. Yeah, I'm gonna be fucking baked off my ass. <laughs> that was gonna be part of my strategy uh, as well. Yeah, let's do. 2.30 start uh, for the pizza show. All right, so there you go. So the pizza draft coming next Friday here, 2.30 Eastern, 11.30 Pacific. Make sure to follow at Peter Overzet, follow at Chris Spags, and follow at Splash Play Pod because we are following you back. Subscribe to the Peach channel, subscribe to the Splash Play channel, hit the like button and everything. We'll see you guys again very soon. Bye. Peace out, guys. Peace out, guys.